Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard to answer the musical question, is it time for everyone to jump on the Trump train, is Steve Hayes. Steve, how are you? Hey, Michael. How are you? I I have resigned. As I said on my radio show in Atlanta yesterday, uh, I am proud to welcome our new Trump overlords. And we're happy to helpily help them in their uh, casino mines, mining chips to hand out to all the players. It's over, dude. It's GOP nominee Donald Trump. It's not over. Uh, I think you're wrong, but certainly there are lots of signs pointing in that direction. And it wouldn't be surprising. I mean, you know, six months ago, many of us thought that it was almost inconceivable that Donald Trump could win the nomination. And today, I think if you were placing bets, he, he would take more of your money arguably than anybody other than than Ted Cruz, I think, at this point. Well, I've watched you in the Candidates Casino on Fox Business Channel, and uh, you've never put a lot of chips in front of Trump before. I wanna, we're going to talk, obviously, about uh, Hillary Clinton's stuff because you know the email security issue as well as anyone. But I just got – I will say this. I saw you on TV, and you looked depressed. You looked the way I feel, which is – that the Republican Party is simply not going to be a place where conservative ideas matter. We're just going to be another identity politics party. Uh, uh, you know, Sarah Palin, for, for like her or hate her, used to be fighting for this small government Tea Party vision. She now clearly doesn't care about that in the least. And uh, it, everyone understands that if you don't stop Trump in Iowa that he's going to win New Hampshire almost certainly and be a total freak thing if he didn't. And then you come down to the South, and in every Southern state, he's got a 10 to 15 to 20-point lead. I mean, are we simply clinging to hope because we need the hope, Steve, or is there something political that you understand that I don't? No, I think there are other scenarios. I mean, I I do not think this is foreordained at this point. I mean, I think if if Trump were to win Iowa— um, you know, it would certainly be a setback to Ted Cruz's prospects and would require some reshuffling uh, of his strategy. And if if Trump were to win Iowa and New Hampshire, I think you could see an early consolidation around a non-Trump candidate, uh, perhaps earlier than you would if, if Cruz were to win Iowa and Trump were to win New Hampshire. Now, whether that non-Trump candidate would end up being Cruz or would it be a Marco Rubio or or even somebody from elsewhere in the field? Mm-hmm. It's an open question. But I don't think that that's an an, uh, an unlikely scenario. And I think there's there's some precedent for that. I mean, if you look at it, particularly as you watch Cruz and Trump beat the, the holy heck out of each other, mm-hmm. uh, you think back to the 2004 Democratic caucuses in Iowa, where you had uh, Gebhardt and John Edwards just savage one another and John Kerry sort of rise up between them to to steal an unlikely victory. I'm not predicting that. I'm not projecting that (laughs) sort of out of the prediction business at this point. But but it's you know, it's not inconceivable, certainly. But Steve Hayes, you just mentioned we're talking to Steve Hayes, the Weekly Standard. You mentioned that there, you know, the consolidation of the anti-Trump, the obvious or the leading candidate for anti-Trump is Ted Cruz. What did Bob, Mr. Establishment Dole say yesterday in between collecting taxes for the welfare state? I'd rather have Donald Trump than Ted Cruz. In other words, the last choice of the Washington establishment is actual small government constitutional conservatism. That's the very last choice, even behind reality TV hair, hairdos. 
So I think there's a split. I don't necessarily believe that. Uh, Trent Lott said the same thing. Trent Lott backed up Bob Dole yesterday. Oh. So, uh, there, By the way, there just stop right there. Aren't, be... we, aren't you so glad that we are at least no longer the Republican Party of Bob Dole and Trent Lott? At least we got that going for us, which is nice. Well, yeah, I mean, when you look at the future, I'm not sure it's that much of an improvement, <laughs> depending on how this ends up. But, but look, I, I don't think that it's, you know, I think there, there's been far too easy um, references to the establishment and the anti-establishment. And I think sometimes people are making distinctions where distinctions simply don't exist. I mean, how, how crazy is it that at this point in the race, 11 days before the Iowa caucuses, Ted Cruz is the, you know, sort of leading conservative anti-establishment candidate. And Marco Rubio is, you know, the hardcore establishment candidate. I mean, Rubio's American Conservative Union lifetime rating is 98 percent. Cruz's is is 100 percent. You're talking about a percentage difference of two points. Right. Marco Rubio ran as an anti-establishment candidate. He took on Charlie Crist in Florida defeated the incumbent governor as an anti-establishment candidate. Rush Limbaugh said in 2011 of Marco Rubio, if you're looking for conservative purity, there it is. This guy's going to be president of the United States one day. And now that now Marco Rubio is suddenly uh, the face of the establishment, yep. there are these, there are these distinctions that are being made that are, I think, convenient for, you know, a lot of the talkers and for some of the candidates but they're distinctions that really just don't stand up to any kind of real Well, scrutiny. a very wise person pointed out on Fox Business, I mean, Fox News Channel last night, that the person who sustained the most incoming fire, the guy that was being devastated by attack ads, was Marco Rubio, that he was everyone's number one target and not Donald Trump. I, I, I saw it in your eyes last night, Steve. You can deny it all you want. You had the same vision that I did, that we would look up in October and see tired, old, cranky, corrupt Hillary wobbling out on the stage with young, dynamic, smart, 98 percent conservative Tea Party Marco Rubio. And we would go, wow, this is going to be a game changing election. This is going to be a shift for America, a rebranding of the GOP. The dream is dead, Steve. It's dead. I don't think it's dead. I, I really don't think it's dead. I'm not just saying that. I think that you're looking at such a volatile electorate and such a, a, a potentially uh, volatile last 11 days that I don't think you can draw. You can make straight line projections. Okay. If, if we've learned anything in this cycle, it's that you can't make straight line projections and that the things that appear obvious to you one day, five days later, may seem quaint and antiquated because they just don't work out the way that you expect. So okay, I really so, don't think that, honestly. And so that brings us to the other wild you know, card in this election. Hillary Clinton, we, and, and tell me if I have this right, we now know for a fact that she sent above top secret classified information, SAP information, back and forth on her basement homebrew server. Do we know that for a fact? Yeah, I mean, there's some question as to whether uh, it was sent or received. As far as I know, we, we don't know that for certain. It's been I've seen it reported both ways. But in any case, on her server were references to programs that were SAP. I mean, you know, code word protected uh programs and and those programs required according to NBC news required that the inspector general for the intelligence community whose job it is to evaluate what classified material was on her server required him to be read in specifically to this program which means in effect his classification had to be upgraded in order just to be able to look at the program 
And so, in other words, the guy who's investigating had to get a higher kind of level of clearance to even see the stuff he was investigating. And Hillary says there's no problem with that being on my homebrew basement server. Exactly right. Now, does she really allege or her campaign allege that an Obama appointee in the inspector general's office is secretly a vast robbing conspiracy plant? Did they really suggest that? Yes, both her campaign and Hillary Clinton uh, directly, I believe, in an interview with NPR yesterday, made that allegation that this inspector general approved by nominated by approved by the Obama administration is somehow working hand in hand with Republicans to leak damaging information and and uh, tarnish her presidential bid. Yeah, I mean, it is that is like we are now in in total unhinged flailing territory. (laughs) This bears so little relationship to reality. And, you know, the tell here is and and at some point I'm going to find a couple hours to go back and do this. But think back to her original press conference, the one she held the United Nations last spring. Right. And think about how many of the things that she said in that press conference that have proven to have been false. I mean, virtually every claim she made in her own defense has now been, with the benefit of evidence before us, demonstrated to have been false. I mean, it is absolutely stunning. And I will say, you know, the media, the mainstream media seem to be covering this almost reluctantly. I mean, there was one national reporter who said, uh, not long ago that she wished the emails would just go away. Nobody really wants to be covering this. They want to get on to covering Hillary's campaign as Hillary's campaign. Right. Well, the emails really matter. Uh, they, they, I think they matter legally. They certainly matter politically. And I would argue that we need more scrutiny on the emails and on her flimsy defenses of what she did, not less. Now, we've reached a point where everyone knows the law was broken. Everyone knows uh, David Petraeus would be you know, uh, charged with a crime. The question is, what is worse for her if she is or is she if she isn't? And we'll talk about that another time. Steve Hayes, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. You bet. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.